L-A-S. The LAS Podcast Network is the premier independent community development platform working with local creators to produce podcasts and content by the community for the community. To learn more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. Hello, guys. My name is Devin Green, and this is The Innovative Creative, a podcast dedicated to helping designers and clients better understand design using an alternative way of thought. I've been designing for 16 plus years, and I felt that people need this knowledge. Whether you are a new or an experienced designer, I can give you tips that can better help your design journey. I also know that clients sometimes have a hard time working with designers. This is my way to help clear the confusion. Join me on your favorite podcasting platform as I dive into design tips, communication tactics, and much more. I release episodes every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, on my website at innovativecreative.fm and wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is proudly produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network right here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. The Innovative Creative is free to listen to, but if you want bonus content and to support local creators, subscribe to LAS+. Plus. For more information on that, head on over to LASPodcastNetwork.com. L-A-S. Welcome to Othered. Welcome to Othered with Sarah and Caleb, yes. your favorite friends. <laughs> We're back on a beautiful freezing Sunday mm-hmm. in good old Cedar Rapids here at TCR, ready to serve you the latest <laughs> Othered <laughs> shit. Oh, yes, absolutely. And we're super happy about it, too. Pumped, honestly. Pumped. And if you're as pumped as we are, you should uh, go check out laspodcastnetwork.com. Yeah. Forward slash plus. Subscribe to LAS Plus. It's only $10 a month. You get access to all of our exclusive content, tickets to LAS Live before they go on sale, merchandise, and that feeling that we love when we support local. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys actually have a bonus episode out already. <gasps> oh my God. We have a bonus episode. Well, not right now when we're recording this, but by the time this airs, <laughs> it's out. Hell yeah. And it's things I wish I knew in my 20s? Yeah. Cool. Nice. That would be a good episode. It's a good one. I listened. Oh, you did? I did. I don't remember making that one. I didn't either, <laughs> but I listened so to it, and that's why I have to listen, because my memory is also so bad. Uh, yeah. It was a goodie, so... Drop that $10 and go listen. Yeah, it's worth it. Totally worth it. Right. And we'll have more than one episode, I'm assuming. Yeah. At some point for... You will. Okay. <laughs> so just give it time. <clears throat> right. Give it time and um, join our hands on our journey. Yes. Yeah. Hold our hands with us. With us. <laughs> Caleb, what's been going on the last week? Oh, uh, well, we're finally done with the holidays. And honestly, thank God. Thank him. I'm so over it. Me too. The holidays are fun when you can enjoy them, but I don't think that 
I have I gave myself much time or like space to enjoy the holiday spirit. Like I didn't listen to any Christmas music. Mm. I didn't even watch any Christmas movies this year, mm. which I feel like is kind of sad for me. Usually I will will watch like White Christmas or Elf or A Christmas Story. But one that my family always watches is It's a Wonderful Life. I love that one. I know. Yeah. It makes me cry every time. Me too. And I meant to watch it and I didn't. Mm, but right. I will next year. I was also feeling a little grinchy. Mm-hmm. I was in the mood, but Were I wasn't. Were you grinchy or scroogey? Um, maybe scroogey. Yeah? Yeah. What's the difference? I don't know. Okay. Well, I wasn't um, in the mood. How about that? Yeah. So I watched a few movies. A Family Stone is my favorite. I love The Family Ugh, Stone. I hate that movie. What? <laughs> Caleb! You do? I do. Why? I don't know. It just, like, irks me. I, like, every time I watch it, I just, like, it just feels so fake. But there's a gay person in it, I Caleb. know. And so I should like it, you right, You should love Sarah? it. Yes. Okay, yeah. And mm-hmm. there's one black person in it. Right, so you should why like I it. like it. Okay, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're married. So that's yes. why we should especially like it. Okay. Right, because there's an interracial <laughs> gay couple in this movie. Yeah, and he, one of them's deaf. Right, yes, I did know that. So he's also disabled. So, you know, for me <laughs> not liking it, it I'm there. being homophobic, racist, and ableist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Asshole. Damn. Yikes. Wow, you're worse than I thought. Ooh. Ooh. Maybe I really am the Grinch then, huh? Maybe you are. Yeah. Well, that's a bummer, but that's what I did. It's one of my faves. Out of all the Christmas movies, that's the one you watched. It's one of my favorites. Oh, okay. And it makes oh. me cry every time. I'm not going to say I'm judging you. No, you are. But you I already know. Tell it. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to say it because I can tell. Thank you very much. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> now I feel bad. Yeah, you should. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to sit here feeling yeah, bad about myself. Don't talk for the rest of the episode. <laughs> you hurt my feelings. We're done. It's over between us. Yeah. And it's the second day of 2022. It is. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Sarah. How are you doing with our resolutions? Well, one of them was to um, do dry January, and I did not succeed yesterday. Me but um, today I'm feeling pretty strong about it. Yeah. I um, have a friend who's also keeping me accountable, so that feels really good. I did talk to her about our episode, and I was like, I feel like I just need other people to know and to, like, hold me accountable to this. Yeah. So, I thought you'd be proud of me for I'm that. so proud of you. Yay. Yay. Uh, Yay, Caleb. I know. Also, I, like, have a plan to, like, make myself a budget in the next Ooh. couple of days. So, I, I can budgets. be, like, a little bit more, I don't know, intentional about my money. Yes. Right. Yes. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel good about it. Good. Um, how about you? Mm. I'm okay so far. My vocab rehab is <laughs> <laughs> proving to be a struggle. A fucking disaster. It's, it's a little messy, <laughs> but I'm working on it. And you reminded me of the word brazen, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm going to use that. I love that word. I feel like you don't get to use that word very often. Agreed. It was definitely fitting. And I'm going to have to articulate my sentences in a way that allow me to insert better words. I love this for you. Me too. So hold me accountable, everyone. Okay. If you hear me speaking um, in, with four-letter words, then mm-hmm. check me. Heard. Mm-hmm. Thank you. 
<laughs> Can't wait to call you out on your shit. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Caleb's like, it's going to be five minutes and this bitch is going to be in trouble. See, there it is. I know. <laughs> we need a jar. <laughs> we should put a jar in here. We should. LAS would be rich. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Me too. So, today, what are we here to talk about, Caleb? Something very important to us. Yeah, this is something that's important to us. This is something important to me. Uh, we're going to talk about my coming out. Oh, oh, oh thank you, Alex. Alex <laughs> no, had to bring a jar in here, and there's already a dollar. Who's dollar? Oh, I love it. Um, that w- <laughs> He's getting so, us started. <laughs> there is a jar here already. We forgot to use it. So Logan was using the word daddy way too much. Oh, oh. I love so that. So <laughs> we, we put, um, Logan is the other person that I started this network with, and at the beginning of the network, yeah. We were like, you got to stop saying daddy, dude. Um, you're just, <laughs> you, like, it's fun. At, it was Because <laughs> you know when you start saying something, like, at first, ironically, but then it right. kind of sneaks its way into your vocabulary. Yeah. He did that with daddy, so we were like, it's oh, got to stop. You got to stop, dude. So that, <laughs> yeah, there's only that, a certain context that it was the daddy. Yeah, it was the daddy jar, but it can be whatever you guys want it to be. I think I'm still going to call it the daddy jar. <laughs> okay. That's hot. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> Can't be anything different. Oh. Hey, so now we've got the daddy jar here. Perfect. And we'll let you know how much is in it. You know, as we continue as to go on, update. right? <laughs> Next week, I'm sure there will be another twenty in there. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> Anytime. Appreciate it. Always looking out. Always. So <sighs> today, on this glorious Sunday, Caleb and I are here with a very important, must-listen, importante conversation. Right. We're going to talk about me coming out. Coming out. <laughs> I'm coming out. And I want the world to know. Anyway, um, yeah, it's kind of a interesting topic, I think, when it comes to the lives of queer people. Um, it's a process that a lot of us have gone through. Some of us have had better experiences than others. Um, but we're going to talk about mine. And uh, hopefully that will, mm, I don't know, Either make it easier for anybody who's listening who feels like they need to be, um, who needs an, a, like a little push or a little courage um, to make that move. Or if you're not, um, you know, other than cis, hetero, whatever, um, that maybe you can have a little bit more compassion towards the people who aren't that. Mm-hmm. That's, I, was, I guess, my goal here. Yes. I was just going to say that for us hetero people, this is definitely a learning time. Um, I've told you I, I'm i open and I am accepting and I love everyone, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I'm also uninformed. There's a lot of things I don't know. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you mm-hmm. because I know I'm going to learn a lot. We all are. Right. And I think like <clears throat> anytime that I do talk about the process of coming out, I feel like And because it was a process, like for me specifically, like my experience is very unique to me in my life. Right. Mm -hmm. But the kind of experience is shared by a lot of people, especially if you grew up in the church Mm -hmm. and depending on what denomination you grew up in and how your parents are and what their values are, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's an important conversation to have. And I like, I hope that people who listen to this, um, a, we'll know a little bit more about me and my background, my my story, 
Um, but then also maybe having a little bit more context for the people in their lives who they meet, who might, who might be in the process of coming out or who have came out. Um, and just recognizing it and being considerate of that experience. Mm-hmm. We're training our ally muscles right now. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I'm like, I'm a little nervous about talking about it right now, but I want to get into it and I feel like it's worthy of a conversation to have, <clears throat> especially for this podcast and what we wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Down the rabbit hole <laughs> of Caleb. Of all things gay Caleb. Gay Caleb. <laughs> so let's take you back, back into time mm. to a young Caleb Scales. Mm-hmm. What was little young Caleb like? We know that you grew up in a conservatively Christian household. Yeah. What did that look like for you? I mean, I, so, hmm. My church was, like, just a very big part of my life. Like, I went to daycare at the school. Uh, not at the school. At the church. The church had a daycare, so I was I grew up essentially in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only day that I did not go to the church was on Saturdays because my mom also worked at the church as a secretary, mm. and so I was just there all the time. Like, I just li- lived and breathed that building and that community mm-hmm. for so long. Um and, you know, like, my parents had <clears throat> issues in their lives with drug use at one point, and so there was kind of, like, a weird point where, like, there was a lot of hypocrisy, I think. You know, them going to church, or my mom taking us to church, but, like, also, like, things at home were just not <laughs> perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, like, would go to that daycare and church every week, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I always kind of just felt... Maybe a little bit more like sensitive than the other kids. Like I was bullied a bit, um, and I don't know if that's necessarily because I'm uh, gay or queer, um, but maybe just like I just felt a little bit more effeminate. I think than all the other things that the boys were into. Like I, I did run around and I loved like playing some of the sports and stuff, but. Um, I also really enjoyed coloring and like enjoyed like the color pink mm-hmm. and like these are things that like people are like no that's for girls. It just associate you know? yeah with right. feminism. Oh yeah, or with femininity. There you go. Yeah, um, you know like we would play like dress up and stuff, and I would always want to wear the dresses and the heels and stuff, and I don't know why or if that's necessarily what makes or if like a point towards people being gay but I think that like I just kind of always gravitated towards that and did you notice that about yourself was there a time when you were like okay I love pink and high heels and Peter down the street doesn't that's weird yeah I mean I definitely realized that like I was different than like the other boys um I mean, I did have, like, other guy friends, like, when I was growing up. Like, there was this kid named Steven who was also, I think, you know, pretty sensitive. Like, I don't I don't think he's gay, but, like, I think we just got along well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, childhood was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't know. Like, I can – honestly, I remember 
and this is such a strange memory for me um, because I, I think back on it and I don't understand what this thought was. But I remember being like a little kid and like looking out at the stars at night like in front of my house. And I think, I don't know what was going on. Like, why was I outside in front of my house at night? But I remember like looking up at the stars and being like, man, I wish I was a girl or something like that. And I don't know what that's about. Cause I don't think I'm trans and I don't think I like want to be a girl, Mm -hmm. but I think for whatever reason in my little boy head that like, with the that I thought like I, the understanding that you had at the time, right. That I think I identified more with the women I saw in my life as mm-hmm. opposed to the men. Mm. So I don't know. I think that's something mm-hmm. there. Um, but yeah, I like grew up in the church. Like all the throughout like kindergarten through my senior year, I went to Christian schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was definitely like an environment that, that kind of um, like my kind of person definitely like stood out, you know, or like I, I don't know. So what was it like in high school for you? Because we know that, well, I know that you didn't come out until after college. Right. I didn't come out until after college. So. Which is actually not quite true um, because I did, the first person I ever told that I had same-sex attraction, or that's like the way that it was like taught to me to be like framed as, um, was this friend in high school that I had a crush on um and I told him and like it was like because I was going on like mission trips and these things and I just felt like totally ashamed of like who I was um and I ended up talking to like the bible teacher at the school at the time and um I don't remember if he ever told my parents but I feel like he did or like I had that conversation with my parents but then I had to, like, re-come out in college. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's unpack this. Right. There's, like there's this several all... things I want to know yeah. about. Okay, yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's talk about what what being gay is like in your conservative church. Mm. Because you just said that you had to call it same-sex attraction. Mm-hmm. So what is – your church obviously was not accepting no. of that. So what did your church view that as, like an abomination? Mm-hmm. And yeah. why, why same-sex attraction? Um, because they, they separate it out. Like, they make it kind of like a choice. Like, there are people in the church who have same-sex attraction, but, like, you're not gay. Like, being gay is, like, a lifestyle choice. And same-sex attraction is what? It's like a sin struggle. Something you can overcome. Yeah. And being gay is not. Right. So being gay like is, purgatory. like, giving in to your same-sex attraction okay so same-sex attraction is like the purgatory between being straight and being gay yeah do you know it feels a little bit like that like the way that like they expect you to live Mm -hmm. in the church if you have same-sex attraction um instead of just like you know saying i'm gay it's like i struggle with this because it's a sin to be like attracted or to like have any lustful thoughts about the same sex Mm -hmm. not that it's not sinful to lust after this like the opposite sex it's just like for whatever reason, it's worse, mm-hmm. you know, because you don't have that attraction for the opposite sex, which is what God's plan is, you know, mm-hmm. or how God designed us to be. So in the nature versus nurture conversation, yeah, church, your church mm-hmm. believed that it was a choice. Yeah, for sure. And that it was 
just your nurture. You get to decide. Right. And so I think like part of the uh, difficulty about coming out, especially to my parents, was that they considered it a a source of shame on them, Mm -hmm. that they like messed up raising me. Mm. You know, like me being gay reflects poorly on them as people or as Mm -hmm. parents. Mm -hmm. That like they did something wrong. Which is like it's 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 a lot to unpack and it's like really just frustrating, I think, too. You know, like I remember when I did come out of the closet like fully (laughs) after I graduated and was like just you know, I was being myself and I was going out and starting to date other gay people. Um that my mom one day texted me. She's like, why are you doing this to me? Mm. And I was like, I'm not. has nothing to do with you. <laughs> right? This has nothing to do with you. I mean, it does. I'm your son. But, like, I'm not doing anything to you. Mm-hmm. But, like, she saw it that way. And that was part of or one of the reasons why, like, I didn't really talk to my parents for a couple of years. I mean, mm-hmm. I did. But, like, it was very strained. My relationship with them was. Um, and I think, too, I mean. Right now, before I even move on, like, the relationship that I have with my parents now is so much better. Like, they, I know for sure that they love me, that they care about me, that they want the best things for me. Um, and I have a decent relationship with them, now, with them now, but I think it was just so difficult at the beginning. And I think part of it, too, is that, like, I had so much resentment for them because I did, like... I was so obviously gay. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I honestly can't imagine a world where you're not obviously gay. Right. I mean, I don't think I, like, even when I came out, like, it wasn't ever really a thing that I changed my behavior or anything. I think my, maybe I just accepted my gay voice a little bit more. Like, I think I just said to hell with it. Didn't try to, like, modify myself in any way. But um, I'm just, I've, I don't really feel like I changed much when I came out of the closet. Like, it was just like, oh, now I'm seeing boys instead of girls. <laughs> Everyone's like, duh, Caleb, we've known this duh, about you forever. right, I know. And it's just like, it's so silly to me that my parents were, like, living in such strong denial. Yeah. You know? So, you were in high school when you told your first crush mm. that you had a crush mm-hmm. on him. What did he say? Well, I didn't tell him I had a crush on him. Um, oh, you said you had same-sex attraction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what did he say? Because he went to religion school, too. Right. Um, I honestly don't remember. I remember, like, what happened next. Like, I remember that, like, he, like, got me in touch with the Bible teacher at the school. Um, and I ended up having a conversation with him or, like, a couple counseling sessions with him and talking about what same-sex attraction was and why it's not of God and... Like, he explained it to me, like, that there are, like, these wires in our brain, like, if you're gay, if you have same-sex attraction, that they're, like, crossed. Mm. And that the wires need to be, like, uncrossed. So, like, you could be fixed, essentially, is what he was saying. You know, through prayer or intervention or... Conversion. Conversion therapy, whatever. Um, And I think that's just really... I tried so hard. And I think this is just the process of, like, my childhood is that I just tried so hard to be good and to be what my parents and what God wanted for me, at least in my experience, in my denomination. Like, not all churches are this way, I need to say, but, like, in my experience of growing up, that's a huge thread in my life is that I just wanted to be, like, good. I wanted to be acceptable. Um, And, you know, like, going through puberty, like, starting to have – like sexual urges mm-hmm. and like the 
kinds of fantasies that I would have or dreams or whatever um, would be about men. And there was a huge sense of like shame or like fear that I could not figure out how to deal with. Um, Did you ever share with like your friends mm -mm. about this? No, you just uh -uh. kept it all to yourself. Yeah. Wow. I mean, okay. So then I also, I've, I had like some sexual experiences when I was younger. There was this kid that I went to school with and uh, I would go over for sleepovers. Um, we all know what that means. Right. We got into like truth or dare and started clothes started coming off and then it got sexual, you know, but that was like middle school. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's so that was like my first like experience and like we almost got caught. Like I'm pretty sure like. Like, my dad came to pick me up in the morning, and, like, the door was locked. And he's like, why is the door locked? You know, there's only one reason, usually, for people to lock their doors when they're in there with another person. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was, <clears throat> I don't know, scary. And then, of course, like, my brother actually took the fall for this. But, like, when I, of course, you know, when you're young and you have access to the Internet, porn is a thing. Um, and so I started looking up gay porn. Um when that search history was found, mm. of course, because my parents are not dumb. Mm -hmm. um, but apparently my younger brother had also mm. been looking at gay porn because he also is gay. He came out of the closet um, actually um, like around the same time that I did too when I was in college. So like the second round of coming out. Mm -hmm. um, so that was i mean i kind of just, i felt like i just kept dodging bullets mm -hmm. you know what i mean of like being found out or having to explain myself or whatever like i just was able to continue hiding it's hard to hide a whole identity mm. from the people mm -hmm. living in the same house i'm sure right yeah wow caleb it's hard it's hard <laughs> and i think a lot of it too is just like <clears throat> It's just so much of it was just f being afraid all the time. Mm -hmm. And then when I was like later on in my high school experience, like towards like my junior, senior year, I started getting into like really heavy like metal music. So I think it just like it had like this energy that I was experiencing. Angry. Which was angry. Sad. Sad. Yeah. Angry and sad. It was like emo core. It wasn't like straight metal, but it was like sad metal yeah <laughs> with a lot of screaming and that's just like honestly just it was such um it was helpful for me to like experience and like listen to that music because that's just like how I felt you know and mm -hmm. it was angsty and I don't know because I was also like the golden child mm -hmm. you know like I in my church like <clears throat> I would go on mission trips I was like heavily involved in like extracurriculars at my Christian school um, and I got into Bible school, like a really good Bible school. And so like, I don't know. I just like, I felt like I was setting myself up continuously for being not what I felt on in the inside, mm -hmm. you know, the path you were on was like totally opposite of oh, yeah. your true path. 100%. And I think like it, it just took, it took me so long and so much work to, move through all of that shame and all that fear and anger and sadness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do. Because mm -mm. I think, you know, like 
so much of it is that like my whole life, my whole community was built around this construct of religion and this relationship to God that evangelicalism purports to have, you know, but when you don't fit in, mm-hmm. when you don't fit that structure, it can be devastating because then you're going to lose everything. You're going to lose your whole, all your friends, all of your family. And then what do you do? You know, and then you still have like this idea that like God is going to hate you and that you're going to go to hell. And like, or if the rapture happens, you're not going to be raptured and whatever. It's like this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Heavy. It is heavy. Well. So that's like, that's just like the burden I be- had to bear until like finally just having enough of it. Let's take a break. Mm. And when we return, we're going to hear about how you unburdened yourself. Okay. Yeah. That's perfect. Okay. 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 (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back. All right. Hi. Greetings. Hello. Hello there. I'm Alan Way, and I'm your dungeon master for this new live play Dungeons & Dragons podcast, Myths of Myria. This podcast is for those looking to rediscover the joy of adventure, and helping me on this journey is my lovable nerdy cast. I'm Josh Wagner, and I'll be playing Shadow. I'm Jackson Parker, and I will be playing Valros Visago. I'm Morgan Willis, and I'll be playing her. If you like fantastical and otherworldly character-driven stories, political and military intrigue, snide gamblers, or discovering what's on the other side of the looking glass, then you are going to love our brand new podcast as a part of the LAS Podcast Network. New episodes every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you can find your podcasts. To support our show and other local creators like us, subscribe to LAS Plus. And for more information on that, you can go to LASpodcastnetwork.com. And just remember, you don't have to know anything about Dungeons & Dragons to fall in love with this podcast. And little did you know that this entire trailer was the verbal components to a spell. And now you're enchanted to listen every Monday to Myths of Myria. So, welcome. 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 To Myria. L-A-S Hi, old friends. Naomi here. Did you wake up this morning thinking, I need more Naomi ridiculousness in my life? Well, surprise! (laughs) I'm starting a podcast, and it's called The Ruckus with me, Naomi Ruckus Rose. This podcast is for anyone like me who is constantly trying to grow for the betterment of themselves and for the world and for those of us that can be a little blunt in the comment section on Facebook and Instagram. This podcast is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network right here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. But wait, there's more. This podcast is free to listen to. But if you want to support local creators and get bonus content, subscribe to LAS Plus. For more information on that, go to LASpodcastnetwork.com. So join the ruckus with me, Naomi, every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcasts. I love you all, some more than others. L-A-S. And we're back. <laughs> that was-
was so dramatic. That's the vibe it was giving me. I really liked that. I did too. It was cool. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. (laughs) All right, we're back with more convos with Caleb. Yeah. About coming out. Mm -hmm. So, Caleb, let's start with your collegiate years. Yeah. And you went to college for what and where? So, yeah, like I had said, um, I so much of the impetus behind the choices that I made in uh, while I was growing up in like early childhood and then in high school were to make my parents proud to like make um to be the good kid to be the good Christian so then maybe someday God would love me you know and take this burden away from me um I did end up going and applying to this Bible school called Moody Bible Institutes in Chicago um uh and I got in which is you know, was great. I felt, you know, like God's hand was in my life and helping guiding me towards him. Um, but Moody is a very difficult school. It's, they consider themselves like the, like the most elite Bible school. Mm. Um, like you go and like, they're just, they kind of beat it into you a little bit that like this is you guys are the cream of the crop of you know the christian leadership in this country and mm. um so it's just like so much pressure almost like right off the bat <clears throat> um but i ended up going to that school for originally for linguistics um because i wanted to be a missionary and i really like enjoyed studying language um but then halfway through i switched over to communications um but of course, at Moody, um, if you go, you are taking X amount of Bible and theology classes mm-hmm. on top of whatever other, I don't know, major you choose, even though it's not a major, it's more of a minor. Uh-huh. Um, so I do have a degree in Bible and theology because I did end up graduating from Moody. Um, but the whole process itself was really difficult because um, that is when shit hit the fan, really. Shit hit the fan. Yeah. <clears throat> And I think I started because I took this class called Drama and Ministry, and it was um, taught by this woman um, who is like a personal hero of mine. Um, at the time, her name was Melissa Hawkins. Um, she taught this class based on the, the Meisner technique, and it was all about vulnerability and um, being true to yourself, you know, finding those like strong impulses. And I f- fell and gained a really big sense of freedom through this class. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, hold on. I feel like I'm getting my timeline wrong. Anyway, um, before that, <laughs> um, I, in between my sophomore and my junior year, I ended up staying in Chicago um, during the summer um, just to, like, work. I had a job at some cafe that was, like, five, six blocks away from school. Mm-hmm. Um and while I was working there, there was this guy who would come in. He was a regular, uh, and he was a writer for, um, like, a Chicago publication. He was a journalist. Um, and I would be friendly, and, like, he – I just kind of could kind of tell that he was like, oh. Like, I just felt like that the kind of responses that he gave me, um, but even, like, non-verbally were like, ooh, this guy's cute, or mm. I'm interested, or, so like, kind like of flirty. You, yeah. Kinda. Okay. <clears throat> Um, and you would not come out of the closet. Right. Um, so were you excited? Were you confused? Yeah, it was exciting and confusing because then I ended up starting to like hang out with him mm. and talking to him and knew that he was gay. 
Did um, he know that you were gay? Yeah. You told him? Yeah, I I did, actually. I, I told him that, I guess I told him that I wanted to hang out with him, and we ended up talking about Moody, and and we started going on dates, and I told him that like we had to keep it a secret, and all this stuff. So I started dating him, and we dated for a couple months, and school started again. Um, so I had to keep this a secret, mm-hmm. or him so a secret. Now you're double wiping it. Right, exactly. Um, and then at some point, halfway through the semester, uh, my roommate found out about it. Mm. And, you know, and <clears throat> I don't blame him for this now, but I did for a while, um, you know, because I, I think he was just trying to be a good Christian friend. You know, he kind of challenged me to break up with him and to get right with um, with God and with, you know, the SLG, which is the student life guide at Moody, because you couldn't obviously be dating somebody of the same sex um, at school. Um, so I ended up having to call John, my John Lenman, my very first boyfriend, um, and having to break up with him over the phone, which was really hard, really tragic. Um, but then I also had to come out to my, um, like the Dean of Students and the, uh, they made you share that with the Dean of Students. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, cause I broken the, the rules, like the student of life school. guide of school. <sighs> yeah. So that was like being gay was the equivalent of like having drugs in your dorm. Essentially. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Um, was it grounds for like expulsion? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. some weird shit. So uh, it wasn't just also the dean of students. It was also um, the resident life. Um, I don't know if he's dean. I forget the title, but he essentially ran um, the programs for all of the men on campus. Um, so I had to come up to him, come out to him, tell him what happened, tell him I had been dating this guy. He had me talk to Tina Aaron's, um, and I was put on academic probation for so, being gay. For being gay. Uh, for breaking the rules <clears throat> of this community, of that community. And then um, I had also to go to therapy. Which you loved. Which I loved, but it was also under, like, this really weird circumstance. Mm-hmm. Like, it was forced, you know. And I think, like, they thought it would, like, help cure me in some way, mm-hmm. you know. But that's not end up, that's not what happened. Mm-mm. <clears throat> because being gay is nothing you can be cured from. No. So. Um, so when did you end up sharing with your parents that you were gay? Yeah. So as soon as I had to come out to the dean, um, that was like kind of around the time that the semester was ending. Um, and I, when I got home, I had to tell them. What was that conversation like? It was difficult. I was so, I think... Y- there was like shame involved, you know, because I had broken the rules. I like, I was afraid of like disappointing my parents. Um, and I think to add on top of that, my younger brother had also come out of the closet like a couple of weeks before I got home. Okay. Pause. Okay. Did you and your brother talk about sexuality? No, no. So he didn't know you were gay. I mean, I think he knew. And you didn't know he was gay. I think I knew. And then but, like, it wasn't like a conversation we'd ever had because there so was you just never like, confided in each other. No. Mm-mm. And look, your parents ended up having two gay sides. I know. And I think that's like, that really broke my mom's heart. I think like out of my parents, the one who had the strongest reaction was my mom. Mm. 
Um, and I think a lot of it came down to her feeling like the issues that they had, that her and my dad had earlier on in my childhood, like with the drug use or the fact that my dad wasn't really around a lot, like my early childhood, that she blamed him a lot for not being the man in the family, not being man enough or whatever. And so that was kind of frustrating for me because I love my dad. My dad was a, is a great dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's so loving and so compassionate and so caring. <clears throat> and so for my mom to blame him for this thing that is a part of Jonathan and I's life, mm-hmm. like it just, it was frustrating. Um, but I think my brother definitely got like the brunt of it. So Cause like, he lived there yeah. still? Because mm-hmm. he was still in high school. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he got the yelling and the screaming and the crying and all that stuff. And when I came home and I had to tell them, it was, like, my mom just, like... She had nothing left to give. No, she was so defeated. Mm. Like, I remember telling her. And she just, like, you could just see her deflate. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was rough. But I didn't have to deal with her, like, yelling at me or screaming at me or anything like that. Or having to deal with that environment with my dad, you know. Because I came out to her first. And then she told my dad and... Um. yeah it just wasn't really a very fun time and I think mostly because I did end up stay, staying at Moody I wanted to like get back and write with God but learning how to like have that conversation or have the right words to explain my situation to people like telling them that I'm I am a person with same-sex attraction or you know because that's the right way to say it you know, like, oh, I have a sin struggle. Mm-hmm. And then to be honest about that is essentially like coming out in in my Christian world. Mm-hmm. So then you told your parents. Yeah. And then you finished college. I did. So I had another like year and a half left of school. Mm-hmm. So um, I started going to that acting. I took that acting class and it helped me kind of like be a little bit more, I don't know true to the things that I was experiencing emotionally and mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of like, a. I think it kind of saved me in a lot of ways. Um, like being able to be more emotionally present, I think mm-hmm. is really what helped because I was going through a really rough time. And I think to add on top of having like being on probation or whatever, also like I did lose some friends and um, I could tell that people just treated me differently. Mm-hmm. Um, Even though you were the exact same person. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, yeah, I just felt like, you know, I started realizing that, like, I'm just not, I'm not going to fit in the right way. Mm-hmm. In the way that I had been before I had come out of the closet about that sin struggle, quote unquote. Um, so, yeah, it was, like, socially awkward then. Mm-hmm. For me, and what sucks about Moody too is that like if you go to school there, you essentially are forced to live on campus, and so mm-hmm. you're on campus living, breathing, eating with all these people, and there's it's, it's a bubble. There's no break. No, mm-hmm. and so you're kind of forced <clears throat> into this situation, and it's almost kind of like I felt like I had a scarlet letter, mm-hmm. you know, on my chest, and I felt mm-hmm. like everybody knew or was judging me or had different thoughts about it, and the thoughts about on it or based on you know if you do have this same-sex attraction sin struggle quote-unquote that you have to um i don't know act a certain way you know that you can't 
I don't know. You have to act like you're on probation. Right, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so I think another thing, too, is, like, in this world, like, if you are that way, like, you, your choices are to either get married to a girl and just suck it up mm-hmm. or to be celibate mm. for the rest of your life. Ugh. And that's just, like, yeah. Who wants to do that? Well, I'm – nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. Right. Um, and so both of those options, like, I – I had been dating girls forever. Um, never had sex with a girl, but that was also, I think, protected because I was like a good Christian and I wasn't going to have sex outside of marriage, that kind of mm. stuff. You know what I mean? So it never was like a question. Like a thing. Right. Um, so all this stuff prepared you for coming out round two. Mm-hmm. And what was that like? Um, so that's, that was almost kind of like round two. And then... After I graduated, I came to this conclusion that, <clears throat> okay, so like in the Bible, I think there's this passage, it's in Romans um, 9, I think, is he, Paul talks about vessels made for destruction. And then like in the Christian world, there's this debate, ongoing debate about um, whether we have free will or if we're predestined mm-hmm. for salvation. Um and a lot of Christians, especially at Moody, are believe in that Calvinist theology of predestination, um, based on this passage where some are made, some of God's creatures, humans, are made for destruction, um, which is kind of a really fucked up way to think about God. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of issues that I have with Christians who have that theology. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't, I don't think it like leaves much space for God to be a loving God if He's created people, especially like in my own experience of like wanting to be good, wanting to be saved, wanting to have that love and to believe in the love, and then to have this passage and all these people around me like saying that they have the right theology that like oh no, there's just some people who are like predestined for hell, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't I just like it doesn't make sense to me in my view of who God is or who he says he is. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so I rejected him. I rejected faith. I rejected Christianity. I rejected. And this is after college. This is like essentially right after I graduated. Okay. Um, and <laughs> yeah. And then I continue to like lose friends, like friends that I graduated with who were, I, I I wouldn't say I was close with, but I had I lived with like five other four other guys in like the small apartment in Chicago after I graduated, and after a couple months, they all decided to get another apartment, but I wasn't included in that conversation. Mm. Um, so I was kind of left out in the dark about it. So I like had a couch surf for a couple months until my friend Kim um, reached out to me and helped me get an apartment with her. So and were you like openly? Gay. Yeah, so at that time, after I graduated, I started going out to the gay bars to Boys Town in Chicago. And, like, um, sharing with people <clears throat> that you were gay? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, and then, like, I think part of it, too, is, like, I experienced, like, the whatever rebellious phase that I feel like a lot of people go through, like, at the beginning of college or in high school um, that I didn't experience because I was still constantly trying to have that approval from God or from my parents or from the church. So what changed when you started living authentically? 
Um, honestly, I think I was a lot of my life was based out of anger and um, like this running away from of fear of like going to hell or um, being rejected by my family or the community that, that I grew up with. And I just had to say like, fuck it. And I like, honestly, I did a lot of things that I'm not proud of. As we all have. Right. <clears throat> um, but I feel like I kind of fell off the deep end. Like that's when a lot of my drinking struggles started popping up. Um, and like essentially just like looking for another family, looking for another person to affirm me or approve of me or validate me. Um, and it was really difficult because I did run into John again after I graduated. And essentially I like ran into him at a time where he had like just gotten over me. Mm. And so he didn't want to get back together. And he didn't really want to like listen to my experience. Right. You know, so it was really that hurt too. I think that was like another like stab where, you know, I had like cared and loved about this person and was like kind of forced away from him. I mean, I, I definitely made the choice to choose school, my family, and my community over him mm. and being authentic to myself. But I almost felt like still I had my hands tied. tied right. So that was really difficult. What was going on with your family during that time? Right. So then I think I mentioned this before. Like, my mom had, like, texted me that, like, I was ruining her life or whatever. Um, and I don't know what that was like for her because I started, like, posting pictures of, like, going to Pride that mm. summer. Yeah, that was so my, you my were first out Pride. here. Yeah. Being gay and right. shit. Mm-hmm. And, and posting on Facebook. Face. And, like, my all my family were friends with me on Facebook and my grandmother started asking my mom about like what's going on with Caleb and <laughs> why is Caleb got a gay flag right exactly and it was just like this whole thing and I in order to save myself mentally and emotionally I just like kind of stopped talking to my parents and to my family hmm. and your brother no I talked to Jonathan still well I know but during this time oh yeah um no, I, I would still talk to him, but I think a lot of it was that I was still kind of up in my head about being rejected by the other family members that I had or the other community members or friends that I had at Moody. Um, so, like, I don't know. I think I was, like, more focused in that moment mm-hmm. and not, like, reaching out to him because I also didn't want to, like, put that on him, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, Yeah. I don't know. He was like available, but I didn't really speak. Utilize it. Right. Exactly. I mean, he's the one who also helped me move out of Chicago back to Albuquerque. Um, Because I did get into a relationship with this guy that I worked with at one of the hotels in Chicago. But that relationship was a mess. And then also I kind of resent Jonathan a little bit too, because he also ended up like sleeping with my ex at one point, which was fucked up. (laughs) Sibling... Shit. Yeah. Huh. What are the main points, Caleb, that you hope people take away from this conversation or can learn? You already said empathy, especially for Mm. people that identify as cis, hetero, you know, for us to become more compassionate and empathetic and better allies and friends. Mm. Well, I think it's important to, to like, rec- recognize that this is just my story. This isn't everybody's story. Like, mm-hmm. I've met plenty of gay people who came out in high school that it wasn't as traumatic as my experience was. Um, I think the religion part mm-hmm. of it adds just a whole other layer of complication. <clears throat> Absolutely. And I think, 
to the people who are listening to this episode, I like I want everybody to know that I don't hate Christians. I don't hate God. I have gone through, I've done a lot of work through therapy in the, over the past couple of years to kind of get through that and past it. I definitely am skeptical of people who are Christian. Um, I don't trust them around me or in my space very mm-hmm. often. Like I will just hold them at an arm's length. Um, but I don't hate people just because they're Christian. I have a problem. I have problems with the church in general, like as an institution. Um, I don't go to church, even though I think I still uh, believe in God and have faith. Um, There's a big difference between people that use, you know, religion as a tool to build mm-hmm. and a tool to condemn. Right. So I'm with you there. Yeah. Um, but what I want people to know or to experience, I guess, like, I want people to know that it does take a lot of work. It takes a lot of courage to do this. And I, it's not, I'm not saying that because I want a pat on the back or anything like that. I just want people to know that it is very difficult sometimes for us to do this, to come out of the closet, to be really, to be real, to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to have the love and acceptance that I think every human craves mm-hmm. um, or needs really. Do you feel like you have found that love and acceptance and community on the other side of the closets. Yeah, and it, it's it took me a while, honestly. Um, you know, because I think after I came out in Chicago and I was living that life, I think I was just so obsessed with trying to find another community, but a lot of it was just fake. You know, mm-hmm. um, Cedar Rapids has been a very good place for me. I feel like I have a lot of really amazing friends and family second like second family or chosen family who take care of me who look out for me who support me um and have done so actively mm-hmm. um but it's it's important for me for people to know that if they know somebody who they think might be gay or um who is coming out of the closet like it's so important to a let them come out of their own will of their own accord. Like don't ever force anybody to come out. So like the people that probably knew you were gay, it was good that they weren't like, Caleb, do you have something to share with us? Right. Um, Yeah. Don't uh, never out another person like that is just so bad. Mm. It's, it could be devastating. It could be, could be detrimental i'm oh, sure absolutely traumatic mm-hmm. for sure um so i think the, any advice that i would give to people who think that they know somebody who is gay who hasn't come out of the closet or who is coming out of the closet the best thing you can do is just give them time but also be there for them mm-hmm. you know just show them that unconditional love that they need because i think that was something that i didn't really have because i was i struggled mentally and emotionally for a long time because i didn't think that i had that unconditional love mm-hmm So what are some questions that you wish people would ask you? Mm. Good question. Um, I don't know, actually. I can't really think of one. Nothing like comes to mind, really. What are some questions that you wish people would stop fucking asking you? Oh, that was a good one. Uh, How about... Um, sometimes you get this, especially when I first came out of the closet, people who didn't really understand, um, were like, have you ever slept with a girl? I've asked that. Right. 
But like given more so podcast. more so to the um point like they're they're like, Well, how do you know you don't like girls if you've right. never slept with them? Okay. You know, like that kind of thing. Like You've well, never tried, how do you know? Right. And so if you flip it back on him, like you've never slept with a guy, like how do you know you don't like sleeping with guys? And like, well, they're just like, Well, duh, I'm like, of course not. Right. It's like, so well, same okay, thing. yeah. <laughs> it's funny how that works, right? <laughs> um <clears throat> Yeah, I hate yeah, I hate that question with that intent. Mm-hmm. Um that they're like dismissing my orientation right. because I haven't invalidating invalidating you it because for sure. you haven't done X. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think also too. There's a lot of times where like people will be like, "Oh, don't you know this person? He's gay too." And mm-hmm. It's like, no, not all gay people know each other. I do that too. Sometimes I'm like a shitty friend. You're not a shitty friend. No, or I'll be like, <clears throat> Caleb, don't you like the family stone? There's a gay person. <laughs> <laughs> there's a gay right. person. You should love this sex in the city. Right. You should love that. Mm-hmm. You're the only gay person I know that doesn't love sex in the city. Right. And that is a stereotype. But I'm just going to fucking leave it there because oh. I can't believe it. <gasps> God. Oh, I caught got you. Me twice. <laughs> Caleb slammed the, you the jar, the daddy, the jar, daddy jar in front of me. <laughs> oh, that's rich. Um, do you know what? Honestly, like, the, that question is like mildly inconvenient. It's like mildly annoying. Mm-hmm. Not inconvenient, annoying. But it's not, I'm not like angry or like offended by it. <clears throat> um, or at least I don't. I, I don't take offense to it. It's just kind of like, okay. <laughs> what is really offensive to you? Um. Uh, I honestly, the word faggot pisses me the fuck off. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I just don't. It's not okay. No, it's not. It like it's offensive to me to even say. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's so ooh, drives me fucking nuts. And I feel like I see it a lot between, like, <clears throat> bros, you know, who are mm-hmm. talking, to, and they just say it, and it's, like, demeaning, mm-hmm. you know? Or, like, this doesn't happen very often anymore, but, like, oh, that's gay. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that shit pisses me off. That was a huge, like, culture moment. Oh, it was. <clears throat> and it's just, it's not okay. Like, no. it's making it gay something bad. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're that's the language you're using. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're using that language, you're going to make... Gay You're creating people. those associations for right. laymen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. You're going to make people who are gay not feel safe around you. Mm-hmm. And people who don't understand what being gay is right. judge mm. and feel unsafe around people different. Right. For sure. Um, yeah. I, I that, that That's like the most offensive thing to me, I think. Hmm. I think also, too, <clears throat> maybe a question I do hate having asked is what my relationship with my parents is like Mm. you know because i i feel like i can talk about it but it's also a really personal question Mm -hmm. and i don't think that that information is necessarily i don't know like i'm okay with it but i wouldn't expect every gay person to be okay with that because that's that hurts you know that's the source of a lot of gay people's pain is like the rejection that they felt from their family Mm-hmm. So, like, what are you going to do with that information if you tell if I told you that, like, no, my parents kicked me out and now I don't have a relationship with them? Like, what are you going to do with that information? Yeah, does that change the way you view me? Right. 
are you going to be kinder to me? Are you going to be more compassionate to me? Are you going to help take care of me in a way that my parents should have been? Mm-hmm. But that's not my experience with my parents. But I think that you need to be careful about that question. I agree. You know, it's sensitive about it because it's it can be triggering or traumatic or bring up trauma for a lot of people. Agree. What do you think keeps people in the closet? We kind of talked about that too. Mm, shame. Yeah, shame, fear. Um, and I think too, like I'm gay, right? But there's a lot of people in the queer world who aren't gay. Like there's lesbians who have issues with not only same sex issues, but like also with misogyny, you know, the ways that like men feel like they own women's bodies all the time anyway. Um, and so that's another issue that lesbians... Um, might face or people who are transsexuals like my issues as a cis white gay man are not the same Mm -hmm. as trans people's Mm -hmm. issues or the way that like even sometimes I feel like you know it's okay to be gay but it's not okay to be trans like they're just different issues Mm um and there's you know there's people who are bisexual who still feel afraid about coming out of the closet too Mm -hmm. you know which is like for whatever reason it's there's by erasure people don't think that bisexuality is a real thing um and then there's people who are just afraid to acknowledge that, like, that makes them less of a person. Mm-hmm. Or that people are going to see them differently, mm-hmm. you know? So there's just so many, there's so many variables because everybody's sexuality and gender identity is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's important to have compassion for people who are coming out of the closet who do come to you at all with these identity um i don't know what you even call them it's not like i don't want to say um what is the word like they're not like admitting it. I mean, I guess they are, but like I don't feel like that's the right way to say it. Like if they're coming out to you, mm-hmm. right? That that's information you should t- treat delicately mm-hmm. and with care and compassion mm-hmm. towards the person who's doing that to you, because they feel like if they do come out to you, then you're a safe person. But the things that keep people in the closet are shame, for sure, shame and fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. At least that's what it was for me. Mm. Caleb, I'm so proud of you for sharing this. Oh, thank you. I have loved hearing all this stuff about you. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for holding space for me today. Anytime. I'm always here to do that. I know, and I love you. Hopefully I'm not always saying effed up shit like, I saw a gay man. He's hot. You should date him. Because <laughs> I know I've done that. Well, the thing is I do need a wingman right now because Caleb is so if anyone knows a hot gay man out there <laughs> don't tell Kayla because that's stereotypical right, shit you're, right you're like you don't know my type <laughs> yeah like, you whatever. don't know his type but so i do need a wingman so okay well we'll we'll um proceed with caution on that right yeah that's fair i'll yeah. take that okay <laughs> i love you kayla i love I'm you so proud of you thank you uh, was this a lot and what's a lot, and I love that you just said proud of you, because that just made me think of, like, gay pride. Like, it's so important to have this month, or that month, to have that celebration, because to give people, like, hey, like, you can be proud of yourself. You should be proud of yourself mm-hmm. for being who you are, mm-hmm. even if it's different. Mm-hmm. Even if it's othered. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Well, 
Wow, what a powerful episode. Oh, it was oh fun. <laughs> I feel very exposed right now. You are. You're just naked. Just Caleb naked. is naked sitting in front of me, but we love it. <laughs> oh, no. Thank you guys so much for joining us today to listen to my wonderful, fabulous bestie share his experience. We love him. And if you love him as much as I do, can you please go to LAS Podcast Network, LAS Mm-hmm. podcastnetwork.com Jesus, we're going to get it one of these days. And if you go here, you can get ad-free and bonus episodes of me and Caleb. Merch. And merch. <laughs> merch. And all of our other um, sister and brother shows on mm. LAS. Yes. It's only $10 a month. You can get access to um, LAS live shows. Mm-hmm. When are we going to do that? I don't know. One Soon. of these days. Cool. Stay tuned. March. Oh, merch. perfect. And support local. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Love you. Thank you. Love you guys. Love you, Caleb. Love you, Sarah. Peace out. The LAS Podcast Network is the premier independent community development platform working with local creators to produce podcasts and content by the community for the community. To learn more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. L-A-S.